welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. Okay, well, welcome to episode number 12 of the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. And it's absolute um, privilege for me to have a, a gentleman on um, the podcast today who I think is is just breathtaking what he achieved. Anyone that knows me will know that um, I like to see people that have achieved incredible things. And the, the, the guest that's joining me today did something I'm not sure if anyone in the world has ever done this before. Maybe he'll tell me in a moment, but I think it was an incredible achievement. He he was actually number two in my inspirational stories in podcast two, where I shared about what he did. Uh, and it's Gary McKee, who during the 2022 year of 2022, ran a marathon every single day. So just to repeat that, just because I think people might think I've got that wrong. But Gary ran a marathon for 365 days in a row, raised over £1.1 million pounds for um, Millen and West Cumbria, I think Hospice Care, I think was the, the organisation he ran it for. Um, we're going to make a donation as a thank you for Gary for giving up his time as well today. But I just want to introduce Gary to the podcast. Thanks ever so much for joining us. No problem, man. So, so, so look, lots of questions that I'm going to ask. <clears throat> I'm going to start around the sort of the, the whole process of, of of doing what you did. But just before people get into the element, tell me, tell everyone about who you are. And I know you did a lot of previous fundraising for charities before you embarked on your challenges. Have you always been? A man that just loved doing challenges and, ch- and charitable things. Is that tell us a bit about your background and how you got into this stuff? So my background is I'm 53 years old. I'm married to Susan. Been married for 23 years. We've got three children. Alf is 18, Bo is 15, and Minnie's 11 in a fortnight. Uh, I've always lived in Cleedamore. Played rugby as a as a youth and a young man. Um, I suppose my story starts. On the 23rd of June, 1997, when I came home from work, I looked down the path. My mum was sitting there with me, my sisters, but my dad wasn't there. And I knew something wasn't right. And I don't know what they said when I, I passed them, but when I went in the house, my dad was sitting in his usual chair and he said to me, I've got cancer. He had tears in his eyes. I'd never seen my dad cry before. And that word turned our world upside down. My dad was a cancer survivor. He rolled his sleeves up. He said he'd been given a second chance at life and he wasn't going to waste it. He didn't sweat the small things. He just got on and he enjoyed the rest of his life. He lived another six years. He he passed away in 2003 of an unrelated illness. And I remember when he died that I wanted to do something to celebrate his life and to help other people. I thought back to the day that we were told he had cancer and how a thousand people were going to be told the same news that we had that day. And I became a fundraiser for Macmillan Cancer Support. I... Signed up to do the Brazil Cycling Challenge. I didn't realise Brazil was the fifth largest country in the world. It was probably at that point I realised I'd swung on my chair too much at school. I raised £7,000 and it gave me the bit of a bug to... I always explained that £50 buys a food blender for somebody with throat cancer. So if you think of all the 50s in 7000 it's quite a lot. And that's how many people you're reaching out to. So I went on, I ran different events, different things, got lots more people involved. You can't do everything on your own. Um, so the more people who's involved, the more chance you've got of raising more money. I climbed Kilimanjaro. I trekked through New Zealand. I done half marathons. Marathons. I ran from Land's End to John O'Groats, 27 days. Um, well, I didn't and know I that. lots of other things. I've done lots and lots of other things. 100 marathons in 100 days. 110 in 110 days. Culminating in last year doing... 
365. And, and and obviously, I mean, I didn't know you did the you'd run the, the lands and still great. So I, I've I mean I will say this to him. Listen, I've done it. I, my mum and it's interesting that you said that my the anniversary of my mum passing is two years um, on Friday. So she passed from cancer. So I totally agree with you. And um, when when loved ones die, it does in fact impact you, doesn't it? It makes you want to uh, to do something. And I, I um. The charity I did some stuff for was Marie Curie, who are quite similar to yeah. Millen, I think, in terms of yeah. sort of the work they do. But um, it's, it's you know that that bug that you had for doing the challenge. Did it sort of like once you did the first one? What was the what was the bit inside your head that made you go, "I've got to keep doing this"? I think it was just the fact that everybody's got a cancer story, and yeah. everybody's either been directly affected or indirectly affected. If you haven't been directly affected, then you'll have friends whose parents or brothers and sisters or whatever have gone through it. And it's not going away. You know, if if you look at COVID um, and what COVID did, it cancelled all people's appointments and stuff. And cancer, you know, is affecting, they say, two in uh, one in two people. You know, it was one in three. It's now one in two. So it it is not going away. And the fact that when my dad passed away, I think when somebody close to you dies, a part of you dies with them. But I think what also happened was there was a flame ignited in me that, will always burn. You know, and I always think of what I do and how I'm helping other people. And it's always on my terms. It's always what I'm comfortable with. I, I, I still think that everything I've ever done is only what I've been capable of doing. It isn't any super hero or horrific effort. It's just been what I've been capable of doing. And I think if more of us done a little bit more of what we're capable of doing, we would live in a better world. I agree with you more, and I want to pick up on that subject in a bit in a bit later because I actually think I've got a question around how I think um, mental toughness, and you've got that from what you've done, is has actually dissipated away, and we've become a bit soft in some cases. It feels like to me, but not soft, but you know, the element of doing something that, that challenges you and pushes you forward is difficult. But but what got what what was the idea behind what made you decide to do? I know you did the hundred and ten in hundred and ten day, but why? What, what what started off the three six five in in you know what made you think I'm going to run a marathon every day in 2022? What was the sort of was there anything moment where you just said I'm going to do this? There was there was a few things. One was the fact that when I'd done 110, I knew how comfortable I was. Um, bearing in mind I've worked throughout, you know, so it wasn't just run the marathon. I was running the marathon and going to work. Um, I'm a father to three children. I'm a dad. You know, I've got a wife who works. 12-hour shifts. So I still had things to do as in running the house, but I also seen it as 365 opportunities to help other people. Every single day was an opportunity. And that's, that's what life does to you. You know, you open your eyes every morning and you've got the gift of being alive and you should be spreading that and you, you should be doing as much as you can with the resource that you've got. So for me, it was a case of, I can do this, I know that I can. What I wanted to also do was raise a million pound. And that was sort of the the difficult part because of the current climate that we're in, cost of living crisis, um, COVID impacted. And it was always going to be difficult to get people to part with the money. I haven't got the platform that some of the people have. I'm not a celebrity. Um, But I said it was a 365-piece jigsaw where every day you put a piece in place and people will see a picture. I also likened it to the film Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner, where he said, if you build it, they will come, referring to the the ghosts of yesteryear who would come to the stadium and they would relive the glory days. So for me, it was, if you build it, they will come, they being the media. It, the impossible would become the impossible to ignore. 
and that's how we treated it. Um, there was a lot of people disappointed with the lack of national coverage. I just said it was a process that we're going to go through and we'll stick to it and we will be successful. On day 364, my just given page was on £535,000. I, I listened to this interview. I remember you saying this on a, an interview you did with Chris Moyles and you said it was literally, it was it was that day, wasn't it, the final day? It was. It was, you know, because we built it and the KM, the BBC KM. That was all that I needed, you know, just that foot in the door, tell your story, get it out there, make it national news and the rest will happen. And that's exactly what did happen. So we believed in the process. People believed in me. I believed in myself. And that was the story for success. No, it's incredible. And and just obviously that, you know, I will t- I've got lots of questions and we'll probably go back and forth, but, you know, that moment when you, you know, when you said to Chris, like, I was at half a million and then you must have sort of like gone and done your marathon that day. And obviously it started to generate the coverage. And I watched, I remember watching you literally on BBC Morning Breakfast, I think it was, I can't remember what yeah. it was. And it was literally this sort of, and that was what made me inspired by it. Um, did you sort of, was it a case of then looking at your phone later in the evening and go, wow, we've done it. We've just passed this million pound number. And how did it feel when you got, you know, when you achieved that figure? We, whilst I was running, there were people who used to put um, comfort boxes out, maybe wicker baskets or uh, plastic tubs and they had water in and chocolates and fruit. Um, some of them had hot chocolate in and Vimto and stuff. And there was one at the four mile point. We also had inspirational quotes on. So every day I used to take a photograph of the quote and I took my phone out and I went to take a photo and we just gave him page flashed up. It was 40 minutes after I'd set off and it was on £640,000. It had gone up in 40 minutes, over a hundred grand. So I pretty much knew that we were on the right track because it was still early in the morning. We had the whole day to get through. Whilst we were running, there was a guy who had been following me on Strava who organised a couple of events in London. So I ran 360 of the marathons on the same location, same route. Two of them were in London and he's an investment banker. So he he wasn't short of a few, Bob. But whilst we were running um, about 10 miles from the finish, he said to me, Gary, if when we get back to when we finish, if the page isn't on a million pound, I will make it up to a million pound. So I pretty much knew then that we'd tick both boxes because the 365 days was done. It was just the other tick and the other box of raising a million pounds. So it was a a special moment. Um, People seem to forget, though, that all the money that you raised, there's gift aid to go on top of that as well. And the gift aid yeah. was over £200,000. So the page went to just shy, and I've only closed it last week, £1.4 million. You know, that's an incredible amount of money and an incredible amount of support that people are going to get through the charities. Um, it, there was other elements that I wanted to um, to achieve, and one was getting school children involved. So I went into lots of schools to tell the children what I was doing. If you can inspire children to to get up and move and do something and they enjoy it and you couple that up with a little bit of fundraising, then everybody wins. The children win because they're getting fitter and the charities win because people are raising money on my behalf, you know, to try and get to that magic million. So that was one of the things that we'd done. By the time I'd finished, there's over 200 people who'd run full distance marathons with me, some for the very first time in their life. And when you share that experience with somebody who does something that previous to it, they didn't ever believe they could get there. It's quite a, another magical moment. There was over 3,000 school children run with me. You know, so I'd, I'd done what we set out to do. I got people moving and sustained that by those groups put together um, when we'd finished and people are still in contact with each other running and sharing trails and 
sharing recipes and doing absolutely all sorts of being inspired to move and get up off the off the boom and do something. So there's lots and lots of boxes ticked. And, and, and what you've just said though is so true, and actually, you know, the amount of getting people to inspire to do something. I, you know, again, I, I did when my mum passed, I wanted to do something because it was like in testimony to the amazing. You know, I remember there was a story in, in for me, and it always stuck with me that the lady that was the Marie Curie nurse, and I remember looking at my dad's eyes when you know he, he knew that the lady was coming in the evening because the evenings are tough for people that are going through that sort of yeah. hospice, you know, for that sort of care. And my mum yeah. was at home. But this lady was like, oh, well, well, we can't afford to. And it really, it really still grates me now. She was like, oh, well, I can't afford to buy my own house because I don't know enough. And I was like, we've got this bloody wrong in society yeah. where the people that are looking after terminally ill people to, for families can't afford to, to buy their own house. And yet we've got, you know what I mean? And it was like that moment yeah. you thought, we've got to change this. And I remember emailing the chief executive of Marie Curie and saying, what can we do to, to change yeah. this and help this sort of? But it's that drive, isn't it, to, to get people to, to do something. But, but that also leads me to a question, actually, which is, You've got this incredibly, you know, I don't, you know, not only reason met you, but you know, you've got this mindset of, of being able to achieve things. But do you do you agree that there's a bit of a there is a you know, people are a bit reluctant to push themselves and to do things that are difficult and to challenge themselves? And what do you put that down to? And how do you think we can change that? Because that issue, it seems like to me, people just don't want to push themselves out of a comfort zone sometimes. Sometimes you you faced with doing something because you've got to, and other times. You, you're faced with doing something like yourself. You want to give back. And mm. um, for me, I've, I don't see me having anything different to anybody else, maybe a little bit more determination. You know, my wife says the kids are determined and I'm pig-headed. Um, I don't know what the difference is, but <laughs> it's just I don't want to let people down. I um, I just want to do what I'm saying I'm, I'm going to do. And uh, if there's a way, I'll find it. You know, sometimes in life, it's. I always think it's always too easy to give in and to, to pack up. And if we all done that, we'd never achieve anything in our lives. You'd be quite surprised at how far you can push your body and, you know, it's your mind that's answering the questions. When your legs are aching, it's your mind that's controlling things. And it is 90% of it, probably higher than that, is how you tackle things in your head. Um I always break it up. I never ever seen what I was doing as 365 days, seeing it as one day. You know, I look for the smallest number and you make it more achievable. Such a great point. I'm a, I'm a big fan of David Goggins. I don't know if you know David Goggins or yeah. David Goggins and his stuff and, you know, his sort of books around sort of like mental toughness. He calls it the governor, isn't he, where you've got these moments where you want to give in, but you don't. At what point was there any point? And I, and I think I, I think you I think I know the answer to this because you said in an interview that there wasn't any point. But was there any point in the whole like, you know, day 175, where you were literally like, what am I doing? And I'm tired and whatever else. And, and, and was there any moment where you thought, I'm not going to do this or I can't do this or I don't want to do this? No, there's, there's never, there was never ever a moment like that. I knew it was, I'd committed myself to 365 days. I'm quite religious in how I approach things. I'm disciplined in what needs to be done. I didn't have a beer for a year. I love beer, but, you know, I, I, I abstained and I knew that, by doing that, it just focused on what the bigger picture was and the bigger picture was getting to the end. Every day was a surprise because I didn't know when I opened the door who was going to be outside. So it was always, again, an opportunity to push somebody else further, somebody who previously only went from couch to 5K, 5K to 10K, 10K to half marathon, half marathon to knocking it off. You had most people coming and saying, I'm only doing, and only became the word of the day. You know, only doing 20 today, Gary. And you start laughing and say, when did you ever start saying only? You know, because 20 is significant. 
but people were seeing it as they were pushing themselves further. They knew where I was at at any time. There was never a time. I always we we live in Cumbria where it's the the rainy season from January to December. You know, it just <laughs> rains all the time. And I remember during the hundred and ten, I was running during COVID rails. There was only two of us, and we were soaked to the skin. And I started laughing. And the lad who I was running with, he said, "What can you find remotely funny about today?" And I said, "It isn't anything that's funny. It's just something that's really just dawned on me." And me and you standing here in the rain, the rain's dripping off your nose. And somebody's going to go and ring the bell today in a cancer ward to signify that they finished the treatment. And if they go outside and the, the, the weather's like this, once that rain hits them on the face, they're going to say it's the nicest rain they've ever felt in their life. I said, so when we run in the rain, it's somebody else's rain. We've got to get people to that bell. We run for somebody else. And that moment in time, the guy who I was talking to, who was soaked to the skin, he grew six foot, you know, Although we were soaked to the skin, our spirits could never, ever be dampened from that moment on. And we always just explain it to people if it was rain and somebody had said ding, ding. And everybody knew what it meant. It meant we were running for somebody else. And that's how we approached it. And that's how you do look at things in life. You just need that little bit of a push sometimes to get you over the the, the line. And, and that's what I gave people. It just, you know, I need to wear up there, what you say, because it's actually, and I say this in all seriousness, it's just a beautiful way to look at life, like you say, of that element of someone else, you know, someone else's, you know, what was it, you know, someone else's moment is 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 your, you know, your challenge. And, and, and it's, yeah, having that humility, though, to do what you did and, and to, to make that, those things happen, to think so selflessly is was is incredible, especially, and I talk about them when you say about the only bit. Because I was looking at you, you, your average time, if I hear this correctly, over the period of the 365 days was four hours and three minutes. Is that right? Have I got that figure right? Yeah, there was a guy who used to follow me on Strava and he was a bit of a cattle vorderman. So when I put, I never ever put any photos on my Strava, I just put a number. And when he seen the number, so say it was 112, he would give a fact about the number 112. And on day 343, the fact was that the, for the first six months, my marathon time was three hours 43. He said, by the time I'd finished, it was four hours three minutes because I picked up an injury halfway through that I had to I had to slow down to, you know, to, to manage the day, to manage my injury. But by virtue of slowing down, it just meant more people could run with me at the pace because I was going too quick. But I had to because I was going to work. So I needed a little bit of recovery time before I could have something to eat, get showered, do my legs and then, go to work, you know, so the times, although it was irrelevant, they were quite impressive at the same time. I think, I think they're ridiculously impressive. I've done, again, I, I, you inspire me, and I'm going to do, I will commit to this the podcast, I'm going to do a marathon, because I did a half marathon in October, and I remember saying that, because I'm a big lad, I, I remember saying there, and never yeah. again, and I, I have got another challenge, which I'll, I'll talk to you about another time, which we do, and we run, and we help get people active, but it's tough, it's tough, it's tough to do, right? But I remember looking and thinking, it's like 10 minute miles for like four hours for 26 miles. So, so like a couple of questions around the actual elements of the, the, the running, but what time did you used to get up in the morning then? Did you used to have a disciplined time to get up in the morning? And, and, it, and for those people that are runners that are watching this, did you feed in the morning before? How did you fuel your body to sort of, you know, what was your routine for doing them in the marathons? So the day would be governed on whether I was going to work or not. Um, right. And I worked shifts. So I would either work a morning shift or I'll be working afternoon shift. Most of me, I used all my annual leave. I didn't go on holiday, um, but the family did. I didn't. So I would get up, typically um, set off at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd be finished at 12 and I'll be going to work at 1. 
when I picked up an injury, I set off earlier to give myself more time to um, to get through the day and to recover. So it was six o'clock. My breakfast consisted of always two slices of toast with jam on or marmalade that people were making me because I'd said, oh, I love marmalade. So the next thing there's jars and jars coming to the house and two cups of coffee. One of my friends owns a business called Hungry Caterpillar, which is a healthy food eating business. He prepared me all my food for the whole year. So he'd do two food drops a week and it was all high protein, high carb. But what that meant was as soon as I finished running, I'd have food in the microwave and I'd be sitting eating 10 minutes, five minutes after I'd finished. I would also be getting my legs massaged with the massage buns. You can eat as much as you want when you're doing 185 mile a week. You know, what you've got to be careful of is too much weight loss. And if you lose a pound a week, which is very easy to do, um, it's nearly four stone over the year, which is significant, massive. Um, the running was down to my, it was all on my terms. We run on a cycle path, uh, a disused uh, railway line, big all-time acne to a national route now. It goes up to the Lakeland Fells. So you look across, you can see there's snow on the tops. I ran, obviously, from January when there was no leaves on the trees till seeing the snow drops coming through, followed by the daffodils, tulips, foxglove, the mayflower. Everything came through. The leaves came onto the trees and then they turned colour. And they all dropped off. I watched the geese come. I watched the geese go. I watched the lambs being born. I watched the sheep being pregnant again. I just watched the whole life cycle on the cycle path. And it was an ideal opportunity for everybody who knew where I was at to join me and do whatever distance they could do. At the halfway point, there was a guy came out with his wife and made me a cup of tea every single day. 13 mile in, you know, a cup of tea. I saw that chap. Was he quite an older gentleman? An older gentleman that was, I remember seeing on the, 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 the I'm not sure which interview it was, and he literally was there. He, he was your sort of like every day, wasn't he? And I remember him being well, interviewed and saying, well, Gary's doing it, so I've got to do my bit, basically. Absolutely. He was 75 year old and he came out from the beginning. There's another guy got in touch with me of a similar age and he said, can I come with you? But I didn't know how old he was. And he said, can I come on my bike? And I said, yeah. And then he turned around right at the end. He said, I'm 75. I said, you know, what's going to rock up here? But when he turned up, he'd been a race director um, previously. He'd had a knee injury, so he turned to the bike. And he came with me for the first time and he'd done about 10 mile. The second time he came, I said, how far are you doing, Brian? He said, I'm going to do, uh, I'll get a cup of tea and then I'll, I'll go back because the wife wants the car. So when we got to the halfway point, Bill had made him a cup of tea, made Brian a cup of tea, and he said, uh, when he handed it to him, he put his hand out and he went, Bill Arnott. And Brian looked at him and he said, Blooming hell, Bill, I haven't seen you for 60 years. And they went to school together and never ever bumped into each other since. So then there was And, they, and you brought them together? Brought them back together through the running year. So then, you know, they were standing talking about how their lives had panned out and the families and the careers. And often when I'd be running months later, Brian would be there with his wife and Bill would be there with their wife. And, you know, they, they just kept in touch ever since. So it was a fantastic, lovely story. But and it just shows you how running can bring people back together. Amazing. Is that fantastic? What a great story. And, and, but on the issue of feud and fueling, did you, did you, when you, when you were on the run, did you fuel up? Did we, I know you said there were people who would put baskets and stuff there, but was it, because obviously losing weight, like you say, is, you know, was it, was it difficult to consume as many calories as you needed? Um, not particularly. I was watching my weight, don't get me wrong. But um, I would be I'll, at the halfway point, I'd have a cup of tea and there'd always be cake there and I'd have a, you know, a couple of bits of cake or something. But the, the boxes had bananas in, there would be uh, crisps occasionally. There was always biscuits and chocolate and stuff like that. So it was always um, 
if I wanted, there was there would be something there, and I, I would always have uh, an energy a bar or something with me just to fall back on if I needed anything. But my drinks were uh, electrolytes as well, which are fading you whilst you're running that you don't really see the hidden calories in in you know in a 500 mil bottle. Um, but as I said earlier, you can absolutely eat as much as you want. You, you've got to be careful that you are eating enough, especially during the summer months. And if you remember rightly, we ran through the hottest summer on record. Yeah, ridiculously hot. It was. So it was 33 degrees in Cumbria, which is the hottest it, you know, it's probably ever been because it rains all the time. Um, and I remember the two lads who were running with me at the time, they, were, they absolutely fell apart and I was laughing and they said, why Why are you not as bad as us? And I said, because for the last week I've been sitting in the sauna at 65 degrees for an hour. And that's how I got my recovery, by sitting in the sauna. So I've got a sauna in the gym at home. And if you can sit in at them temperatures and do a little bit of um, cardio whilst you're in the sauna, it, it just makes it so much easier whilst you're running in the heat. And I was going to, because I was going to ask you, how did you did you do anything around sort of stretching, or how important was you know you know literally sort of the, the elements of, of of you mentioned the massage guns and how important yeah. were they? And I was wondering, you know, was stretching and those sort of tools really valuable and you know it's essential for you to sort of keep the body in a position where it was able to do it every day? So I've never really been much of a stretcher, although when I picked up an injury, it was um, hamstring tendonitis that I had. I had a cortisone banged in, and it didn't work. It made me run with a dead leg. I was dragging my leg, I was wrecking my shoes. But uh, my physio did say, try and stretch up as much as you can. I've got a vibration plate in the gym as well that I stand on that, you know, it just loosens your legs. But what most people probably didn't know as well was that before I started, I'd done a couple of miles on the treadmill just to loosen up. And then when I finished, you know, I'd be, you know... You're doing 28 miles a day for 365 days, basically. It was more because when I finished, I would loosen off as well if I had the opportunity if I wasn't going to work. So over the, the 12 month, I ran over 10,000 miles, not the 9,675 that Mr. Armour told everybody. Can't believe, you can't believe it to tell people that, that, that just, you know, just the extra couple of miles even at the end of it. It's like, yeah, you didn't need to do any more, basically. That's just, oh, that's just, that's just crazy. Um, but, but I guess that was, and, and, and I have a question for you, it's a really weird one, but it's a true one. So January the 1st, 2023, did you go for a run? No, I um And how did it feel if you didn't go for a like I say, because your brain your brain would have been programmed to literally just get up and run every day. And if you didn't go for a run, how did you deal with that? It must have been a bit of a weird feeling. I, I went to the pub instead, you know, and um I told you I hadn't had a beer for a year. So I I tried to get the calories back in that I'd missed. Um I remember I went down to Wasdale Shore, which is uh, like country shore, and they had a, a fell race and I set the the fell runners off and there's hound dog races on and I seen this familiar face coming across the, the field and I, I was walking towards him and it was a, a guy who I've known all my life he's in his 80s and he, he looked at me and it was in September and he said you've done it again eh? I said ah, we, we've got there Jack I. and he, he shook his head and he says what are you looking forward to most and I said the honest truth he said Aye. I said a pint with you and he said, right, New Year's Day. He says, I'll meet you in the club, New Year's Day, and we'll go for a beer, and that's what I've done. So although people think, you know, your body's screaming to go for a run because that's what you've been doing, mine was screaming to go for a pint because that's what I hadn't been doing. And I just wanted to sit and have the conversation with the lads and talk about what we'd done and, you know, celebrate the, yeah. the achievement of the 365 plus the million pound, you know, because yeah. it was an incredible achievement. 
Um, I was actually in the rugby club on the night uh, on New Year's Eve when the page went to a million without the gift aid and there was a massive cheer went up at 7.20 and I looked at my phone and I looked round and everybody had the phone in the hand and they were refreshing they'd just given page and there was a massive cheer. So I, it was a, an incredible moment. My family were sitting around me, all my friends were there and to be able to raise that much money and know, you know, that's the job done now was we could move on from there. Uh, I, I, Sam, I know, I read that or I looked on it, that there was a brewery that named the beer after you, didn't they? Is it Enderdale yeah. Brewery? And I'm assuming they've given you a lifetime supply of this stuff then for your efforts, have they? So it's called Marathon Man, obviously, and it's the, the strongest beer that they do to represent my strength. It's the third time they've done it. They've done it for the 100, they've done it for the 110, and they've done it for the 365. And it's a non-profit making beer for them because all the money that they make goes on the page. It's my friend who's got that as well, and they're just an incredible... A uh, bunch of people, and you know, to have a beer named after you, and to tell people that drinking beer is good for you because it helps people go through a cancer battle. You, you can't beat that, can you? It, well, exactly, exactly. Um, and and a question for you, and yeah, and I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to you know appreciate. You know, so many questions I could ask you, but plenty you know, of time. Don't worry about the time. Uh, okay, I mean, you got. You know, when you're making money, you just said, you know, you you had a job and you got a family or whatever. You know, you, you have to, and you you know mentioned then I didn't drink for a year, I didn't go a whole day. You had to make sacrifices, right, to 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 make this stuff happen. And obviously for you, that was just the thing you were going to do. But again, it goes back to the thing we talked about before that sometimes people don't want to make sacrifices, do they? They don't feel they don't want to make the sacrifices to do the. And what inspiration would you give to someone to who who loves their life or the things but want to make a difference like you have to sort of and help you know, see that those sacrifices are worth it to make some of those sort of one or two short changes? I think some of the sacrifices that we make are for hidden benefits. So, mm. you know, I, I often look at uh, my heart rate and my heart rate, resting heart rate around about 39, 40. Right. So if, if you were to Google that, you know, it, that's off the scale. But if you can your age, yourself, you should be like 55 or something, shouldn't it, or 60? Yeah, it should be a bit higher than that, yeah. And and if, you know, you're doing yourself lots of good by doing that. People will say about my knees and this, that. And I've never had a problem with my knees, ever. I've took cotton oil tablets, I've took multivitamins all my life. Since I was about 15 years old, you know, I probably rattle when I jump up and down. But it's getting them a hidden benefits of extending your own life and being comfortable because we see a lot of... And you certainly hear a lot more of it, uh, mental health issues. And if you want to see what's bad in the world, just watch the news, you know, surf the web. Agree. You'll find out what's bad in the world. But if you want to see what's good in the world, get out into nature and go and see, you know, I live in the Lake District, probably the most beautiful part of the world, certainly is for me. I'm three miles from the sea and I'm three miles from the mountains and I can be in both within five minutes. It's the best training ground ever. And it puts a smile on my face doing what I do. And if you smile at somebody, chances are they'll smile back and that can change their day for the, the better. And that's all we need to do. Have them little little gains in our life to make a, a better version of yourself. And, you know, if you can help yourself and you can help others, then you're on the road to success, I think. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why I was so grateful when you agreed to join the podcast because part of what I love to do and trying to do is try and inspire people to help them see that they can build whatever they want and to do well and to, and to, and you know, you can do well by not, you know, serving other people is what I call it. If you serve other people, you know, you, you, you help and you make the world a better place. And a lot of people I know that, 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 you know, sometimes they query that. And it's like, no, actually, you, you know, you can have all the money in the world or whatever else, but actually, what, is, what have you got left of it if you haven't got a purpose and you've got a really Absolutely. clear purpose around what you're doing? But, um, and, and, and 
I did notice though that you said on the, your Twitter page that you committed to this Utah um, race in, in in America later on. So, so I, I, my my question also is because I think there's something you know the, the nature of who you are by your your resilience and your you know, your your, stu- your stubbornness or as your wife that that challenge mentality in you is 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 built in there now. So the question is now what 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 you know what what's next? And obviously you got this this ultra marathon and this in in America, but. But in a way, it feels like to me, and I've read some of these ultramarathons in America, they do the backyards and all this sort of stuff that are quite intense. But it feels like to me, that's like a walk in the park compared to walking through, you know, running 365 mar- you know, marathons in 365 days. So what's, where does your brain go in relation to challenges next and what to do and where you want to push yourself to keep raising money? And how, how, how does that work for you? I think it's, um, we can do what we do in the windows of opportunity. You know, we often put things off we have bucket lists and we sort of work through things in life and I'm a bit more spontaneous I, I've always thought that it's either for some people it's either one day or it's day one you know and for me it's day one I don't put things off I, I do it while I'm young enough to do it otherwise you find yourself you don't do stuff because you've run out of time um with regards to the the Grand to Grand. I didn't know actually anything about the Grand to Grand. It was them who contacted me and they asked me okay. if I would like to take part. Amazing. Um, the way of the entry fee, which was $4,000. And it's just a case of me getting there. I've got people who sponsor my kit, so that isn't an issue. Um, and it'll be more of a probably a busman's holiday than anything else. You know, it'll be a bit different to what I've done because it's stage grace, but I... I'm out to help people. So if I'm running and somebody's struggling, I'll I'll stop with them and I'll I'll get through it. You know, it isn't. I've always said in life is you either you either win or you learn. You know, there's no such thing as when you're a fundraiser. There's no such thing as losing. The biggest winners are obviously the charities and the recipients of the support that the charities are giving them. Um, I've watched my children grow up and see me fundraise all their lives, and all of my children have been fundraisers themselves. My son, who is now 15, from the age of 10, he ran 501 consecutive days. He, he raised over £35,000 himself. Amazing. Our Alfie, when I done the 110, he cycled 26.2 miles every single day. He was doing his exams at school and then he was swapping up for his apprenticeship and he went through it. And that's the level of support that I've had off my children. Our Minnie, who was only nine, she had done 10 full marathons with me on the bike last year. And right. she made she made loom bands in the charity's colours that she could sell at all the events, and she raised over five hundred pounds herself. Um, I didn't want it to, what I was doing to impact on my family, so I said to Susan, "You know, you take the kids on holiday, and I, I don't want it to. If you want to go twice, go twice. If you want to go off the weekends, do what you need to do, just to keep everybody balanced and happy and whatever." You. And our boss said, "Dad, if you're doing three six five, I'm doing it with you." He said, there'll be nobody at home to make you a cup of tea if we all go on holiday. So I'll stop back and I'll I'll do that with you. And that's what he done. He gave up a holiday. He didn't go. But Alfie said, well, if he's not going, I'll bring my mate because that's how life <laughs> you know. And I laughed at that. And when um, when they went on holiday, me and Boyd out every night and we were on fillet steak and he was on Chateaubriand and he was eating like a king. And we got some photos through of the hotel that the wife had took them to. And it was a five star. It was this all singing and dancing, but there was no English there and the food wasn't as good as it should have been. And our boy was laughing his head off saying, see, Dad, this 365 has been the best idea we've had. But Love the kids, it. I think if you 
if you plant a good seed, you'll get a good crop. And that's what I've seen with my children. You know, they've supported everything I've done and they've made it easier for me. People often talk about your sleep patterns and whatever, but I, I sleep with a smile on my face knowing that my children uh, uh, are going to be the people who, when it does get too much, I can pass a baton over and I know it's going to be in good hands. I've seen them, how they handle things and and how they've come on as, as kids and how they've been shaped by what we've all done as a family. So it, it's great knowing. But for the challenges for me that lie ahead, it doesn't have to be 365. You know, a cake sale brings you in £50 and £50 buys a food blender. You know, so if you can help one person, you've done a job. If you can help more, you've done a better job. And that's how I see it. I'll, I'll take life at my own pace. Um, I, I really don't know what tomorrow brings, but it will bring an opportunity. And opportunity doesn't knock. It presents itself when you knock the door off. If you're not going to go after something and you're sitting back, then somebody else will go after it for you. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And but like you say, what you said about your kids is just incredible and how people have got those values and uh, that ethic and that element to be able to, to to know that they've got to commit and do things and to to to, to do what you've done is incredible. And just leave not, I am conscious of time, I could talk to you all day, but you you talked about, you know, you've got this, you know, and as a as a you know, I'll say as a soft, you know, soft southerner, I have got this, I mean, I'm not you know, but you know, you've you know, you've got this hard northern grit sort of determination and way of doing things but what would you say to people that are you know for many people they sort of seem they're, they're, they're self-confidence we know covid's had a massive effect on mental health and you know confidence is is something that people feel they can't do what what tips would you or suggestions would you give to someone that's you know got a bit of self-confidence issue or doesn't feel they can do things or they can achieve things would there be any one or two simple things you could say to them to to sort of inspire them because you inspire me and thousands of other people yeah. but to, to, get, to get them started. I think when you look at confidence, confidence is just a muscle. And the more you use it, the bigger it gets. So you've got to be realistic in your what you want to achieve. And that realistic was for some people was getting off the sofa from couch to 5K. So make it achievable to yourself. Because if you bite off too much, then you're not going to finish anything. You know, and you're going to sicken yourself and it, it, it's going to put you in a probably a darker place than you, you started from because you feel failure. So make it achievable and then grow from there. Have the confidence and get that muscle a bit bigger to push and stretch yourself that little bit further. Yeah, it, it's so true. And it's just having that little steps, those small steps, isn't it? I mean, I know what they talk about in the Marines and Goggins talked about that a lot of the time. I mean, when he was, you know, just you, just do something for five minutes and actually that start and then you do it for six minutes or for yeah. seven minutes. It was small, small, and that's something you would support as, you know, someone that you know, encourages people, inspires people. It's just get going, get do something. It is. I've just done, um, last month, April, I ran what's known as the accumulator. So, or it, it's also known as run the date. So on day one, you start with a mile, then on the second, two mile, three mile. Obviously, you're finishing off with 30 mile. But if that would be too much, you could turn that into kilometres. You could turn it into metres. You could turn it into whatever you want, flights of stairs. Yeah. It could be anything that is manageable to you. But what it's doing is instilling a discipline of consecutive days. And once you start understanding what you're capable of, you then realise what you are actually capable of. You know, and that's pushing yourself a little bit further and seeing the word. Sometimes you've got to change your perspective and your position to gain perspective. And you'll see the word impossible, actually saying I'm possible and I can do whatever I want to do. When you do things on your terms, it just makes it so much easier. Amazing, amazing stuff. It just is, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And like you say, I, um, 
uh, if it's, I mean, no, anybody, but I started a challenge last year called the 110 100, which is one mile swim, 10 mile run, 100 mile bike ride. And we're doing it. We did it last year. We did it, raised some money, and we're doing it on the 24th of June this year. And we've, we had three of us that did it initially, and now there's 10. And, and the goal was for everyone to raise 500 pounds for a local charity, their charity. And it's like you say, it's just, and the whole thing I said was in, you know, it was ordinary people doing extraordinary things, which is actually trying to get people to push themselves and to try. And I've, you know, in I mean, you your league, but it's like I've got a couple of people saying oh, I'm going to give this a go, and you go, wow, amazing, because that feeling of finishing and completing something is going to inspire them to hopefully then inspire other people. And before you know, it, you get this movement, don't you, of people then that you know, that are doing things as a result of what that one person or a few people have kicked off, and um, you know what you've done. I think, and I was going to ask you a question of you know around the media and the way you know because obviously when it was it was new, you know, always say the media was big on news on on January the first or January the second, but you know, do you feel you know, you still get lots of people talking. to you. How can people connect you? I know you're on Twitter and Instagram and can people connect with you and follow your story and what you're doing, but do you still feel the media has sort of forgotten about it a bit now? Or do you still get lots of people to ask you for, for things? Hopefully you get loads of people asking you, but uh, for, 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 for you to tell your story, because the more people that know about it, the more people it's going to inspire. Absolutely. So I have I've actually set up my own business in, um, in talking as motivational Thanks. speaking. And I go into I've always gone into schools and, and encouraged children to do stuff anyway, but I've had, there's been more, lots more demand. So I've been out to India. Um, I've, I've been invited to go out to America, uh, to Singapore, Amazing. but there's lots of companies being in touch and I haven't even advertised yet. So with regards to the media, the social media stuff, I never done any of my own social media stuff. I wouldn't know how to do Twitter. Somebody else done that for me. Um, which, uh, okay. which was fantastic. That's a secret now. It, the secret's out. Um, yeah. But but it was great because it was a young lass who um, spread the word and there was a young lad who's got his own digital media business who had links to radio and television and he'd done it all for free. So he said to the charities, I can get to places that you can't and I can do it on a local level and a national level. And he was just a, a young kid. Uh, he was only He's only 19-year-old now, but he's a fantastic young kid and he'd done it all for free and all to to get exposure on, you know, what was a fantastic challenge and an opportunity for people to see what you can achieve if you believe in yourself. Yeah. And, and well, and I, I'm going to put some links in the, uh, in the podcast to, for, for people to follow your story, even though you on Twitter, but we're going to tell a bit to you, but you know, sharing your story. I know you did a, a run the other day and with, you know, with, with your son, I saw the one you did with Bo and, 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 and you know, getting yeah. people to be active and doing things is just incredible. And, and um, just, a, just a final point from, from me, Gary, on the, the elements of of the impact you made you know does you sometimes you know maybe you, you know you're sitting there having a cup of tea or whatever having a beer or whatever do you, do you realize how big an impact you're having on what you've done and i know you're a humble man you're very you know you come you know, incredibly humble in what you do but i hope you do realize the impact you're having because it you know I, I, it's incredibly inspirational for me i think what you do is just breathtaking and you know for me, when I and I'm going to say this now, when I see people, oh look at her, she's on, they're on Love Island, or I'm looking at, I don't care any of that stuff. It's like people have done real things, like I said to you about Matt, what you've done that to me is just incredible. Uh, and I hope you do realise that people are very grateful for the inspiration that you you're sharing and what you're doing because you are you're incredible at work, you're doing that. And so thank you for for being that incredible inspiration. No, but I think sometimes I don't reflect enough on know what we have achieved and I say we because it hasn't just been me it's been a massive team effort from starting at home with my family my wife Susan supported everything they've ever done to the person who comes out and takes photographs and social media stuff but there'll be a day when I do sit down and I look back and I think you know yeah that's what we did 
Yeah, look, well, look, I can only say this. I'm absolutely honoured to have you on the podcast. I think it's just, your story is incredible. I'm going to share as much of it as possible. I know you said the, the tech page has been taken out. I looked the other day and I think it's still up, actually. Or is it still up for a while? Because what I would like to see if we can do is get anyone that's listening to the podcast to just, in respect of what you did, just to go to the page and just, I'm going to make a donation, as I said. I want, you know, I'd love to, I know people have got lots of you know choices to make, but they haven't made a donation. I think it'd be great if we could raise a few extra you as yeah, a fundraiser, yeah. if we could raise a few extra pounds from people listening to your story and then going, actually, I'm going to support this guy. Can they still go to that page or how can they I support? Can, yeah, I can't, I'll open it for, for another week or so and then we'll we'll close it down and move on. Okay. okay. Well, look, well, look, I think we, and maybe what they can do is they can reach out to you directly or, you know, I know you obviously work for, you have done the stuff with McMillan, well, so I'm sure you can put, we'll put the two links to the two charities and people can go directly and yeah. go to the pages of those organisations, I'm sure, can't they? So, um so so, 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 look, so, so, thank you so much for giving up your time. You're, you know, you're a working man. You've got family stuff and wherever else. So, to give your time up today, you know, for, for, for me and the podcast is hugely. I'm very grateful. I'm going to share it, and hopefully, as many people can be inspired by what you've done and how you've done it. And um, yeah, if they can get a bit of Gary McKee and get a bit of their bit of mental resilience and the ability to go and do some stuff, then it's going to make the world a better place. Spot on. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you ever so much, Gary. Really appreciate your time and, and have a and, and a, but I could ask a final question. Are you, have you have we run today? Are you going out for a run today, or was it today's not a running day? No, I'll uh, I'll maybe do a bit on the treadmill and get in the sauna. There you go. Good plan, Gary. So thank you so so much. Really appreciate it. Lovely to see you. Okay. Thanks, James. Take care now. Bye bye. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.